Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Here's our host, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio. Of course, we have a Speaker of the House. Late on Friday, Kevin McCarthy became the Speaker of the House. Some people say, so what? Some people say, what's next? And we're going to get to the what's next. And let's start right now. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. One of the interesting uh, things we looked at over the weekend, of course, there was a lot of chatter about uh, the concessions that Kevin McCarthy made, what would happen in terms of the rules package and so on. Uh, Texas Representative Chip Roy appeared on CNN's State of the Union over the weekend and was asked by Jake Tapper what changes to the House rules were granted during those negotiations. Here's the exchange. So this all started going back last summer. We wanted rules to open this place up. We wanted more transparency. We wanted more openness, more ability to add uh, amendments to the floor. So, for example, you ask, what else did we get? We got amendments. We got the ability to offer amendments on the floor of the House during appropriations uh, that will open it up again. We haven't done that. So since I've been in Congress, I've not been able to offer an amendment on the floor. There hasn't been a, an amendment offered in open debate since May of 2016. Is it a free-for-all, like anyone can offer an amendment? Absolutely, within appropriations. Uh, we will also be striving for more open rules. Uh, we put uh, more uh, conservatives, uh, some Freedom Caucus members, and we're, we're still working through who those will be on the Rules Committee, the Powerful Rules Committee, which is the funnel by which legislation gets to the floor of the House. So let's let's break this all down in terms of what does this all mean? What does this rules package uh, actually look like? What does it mean? Uh, what's the impact there? And so, of course, we've always turned to our good friend and inside source, James Walner. Uh, James joins us uh, on the line. Great to have you back, James. And uh, give us a, a sense of what is it when we talk about the rules package? What is that for the average human, uh, not uh, in the in the well of the House of Representatives? What does that mean? Well, the House, unlike the Senate, approves its rules every two years. It has to adopt the rules that are going to govern the, 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 the decision-making process and the debate between the representatives for the next two years. And that's what this rules package is. And during the, freedom, uh, during the speakership election, we saw the Freedom Caucus get some very important concessions out of uh, Kevin McCarthy on what will be included in that package. So as we look at the package in terms of some of the things we heard, uh, Representative Chip Roy out of Texas uh, talking about some of the things that are in there. And I, I, just with some of the people that I've talked to on both sides of the aisle, that there are some things in this package that both the, the center left and the center right are kind of quietly cheering. It's sort of, uh, can I be a representative again 
kind of package. How does that how does that look? Well, the, the, there's a couple of things that are going to be in the rules package, but it's important to remember that not all of the concessions are going to be embodied in that rules package. Yes. There's a motion to vacate the chair, which uh, is will allow any one member uh, the opportunity to, to require their colleagues to vote on whether or not they should get a new speaker. That has been added back into the rules package. It was taken out by Democrats in 2019 beginning of the last Congress. There's a three-day rule, uh, 72 hours uh, required layover time before you can uh, bring a bill to the floor for debate so you give people time to review it. And they're going to create some new committees. But I would argue that one of the most uh, noticeable changes and one of the most far-reaching ones, the one you just referenced and the one that uh, Congressman Roy mentioned, is this commitment to bring appropriations bills to the floor individually and under open rules which I think will be the most far-reaching and most noticeable change in how the House has operated in recent years. Yeah, I, I think just having those appropriate, again, those 12 appropriations bills, this is one of the few jobs that Congress really has that's outlined in the Constitution uh, and one that they've been neglecting year after year after year. Uh, and so to be able to have that individually brought to the floor, not as this big omnibus package in the 11th hour uh, in December before everyone wants to go home for the holidays, uh, to have an actual debate and an amendment process, uh, that would be a game changer. It would, and it would empower not just conservative lawmakers. It would empower any lawmaker, any yeah. lawmaker who wants to get a vote on their amendment. And you heard Congressman Roy there. This has been an undercovered aspect of this whole debate, which is that you have a group of lawmakers here who have conservative goals. They want to see conservative policy, but they also have a view of the institution. That, I think, is equally applicable to moderates and to progressives and everybody in between, which is it should be made to work for the members so that they can go to work every day and and ultimately try to represent their constituents. And I think that is a very significant uh, outcome of this. And and I think the reforms that the Freedom Caucus was able to get are going to benefit a lot more members than just those in the Freedom Caucus. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, And I thought one of the other ones, just kind of in that same space, was uh, this idea that budget bills... Uh, could actually stop the the de- dealing with the debt ceiling issue, and this is this is one uh, we've been covering today. The fact that we're likely to hit up against that debt ceiling sometime in the summer, uh, but we can actually deal with it now and, and deal with some of this out of control spending stuff uh, and get some real reform in at the same time if we started working on it now rather than when the sky is falling. And that's right. And you see that Kevin McCarthy has made a given the a commitment to do that, to, to tackle the debt ceiling, but to also cut spending uh, to cap the discretionary spending at 2022 levels, which would impact defense and non-defense spending. Those are significant concessions. But here I think it's important to remember that it's not just the House that gets to make law. These bills also have to pass the Senate, which is controlled uh, by Democrats and also by Republicans who don't share a lot of these fiscally conservative views of the Freedom Caucus. And they also have to be signed into law by the president. And so I think 
what's really far-reaching about these uh, reforms and concessions that you've seen out of the speakership election are the reforms and how the House operates. The policy uh, commitments that, that Kevin McCarthy has made, you'll see votes in the House. They may pass the House, but it's unclear as to what level or how intact those uh, policies will be when they get through the Senate as well. Yeah, that's always the the interesting thing. Uh, we, there's, there's always the debate of there's, you know, this there's this big black hole or this big desk uh, used to be in uh, Leader McConnell's office. And then now it's in Chuck Schumer's office. And it's where all the wonderful things that the the House passes and sends over to the Senate that just uh, collect dust and, and end up in a big pile over there. Uh, th- there's one interesting one I wanted to get your take on, James. Uh, and again, not one that I expect to see actually getting all the way to the president's desk and signed. But it, but there is a, a commitment that there will be a vote on term limits in the House. That's right. There's a commitment on term limits and on a balanced budget amendment to the, the Constitution. These are kind of issues that uh, individual congressmen who were voting against Kevin McCarthy, they wanted to see votes on. But I, I do want to underscore for your listeners, just because the Senate isn't controlled by like-minded senators does not mean there is no value or utility in pushing these things. If, if the House passes a bill, and that bill, that will be the baseline of negotiations, especially on fiscal matters that have to originate in the House. That's the baseline. That's the starting point for negotiation. And so if the House comes out and passes a very conservative version of a piece of legislation, that's going to influence what the ultimate bill will look like, even though it may not necessarily be the exact same version that the House ultimately passes. And that's, I think, what you see from a lot of the Freedom Caucus members is saying, hey, let's not go ahead and declare uh, defeat right away. Let's not throw in the towel. Let's actually try our hardest. Let's start off in the most conservative position possible. And then, yes, negotiations are going to take us. Well, they'll take us. But let's start in a good place. And I think that's what you've seen uh, Kevin McCarthy commit to on a host of policy issues moving forward. Uh, great insight, as always. Anything else you're watching for right out of the gate uh, in the new Congress? Well, right now it's just the rules package. Can the House pass it? Uh, and I, I suspect they can. But, it, again, it's going to be close like everything. And then I think the next big thing is going to be these concessions that the Speaker has made on committee assignments. Uh, who's going to be on the Rules Committee? What conservatives are going to have which uh, – what uh, subcommittee gavels? What You know, those things are going to be very, very important. And when we see that – uh, when we see the makeup of these committees, I think we'll have a better understanding of how the next two years are going to go. Awesome. James Walner, Senior Fellow at the R Street Institute. Always appreciate his perspective. James, have a great one. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Uh, again, these are important things that are going on in this rules package. This is how the 118th Congress will function. And I think there are some things that everybody could get a, at least a little bit excited about. Uh, mostly, I hope representatives see it as an opportunity to be a representative again, to not just be a vote for a party or a tribe, a red or a blue jersey, uh, but an opportunity to truly represent the 761,000 people in their districts, the citizens that they represent. Uh, and I hope some of these rule changes will actually spark and foster and sustain those kinds of conversations, that kind of debate on the floor of the House of Representatives. That would be a game changer for how our country runs. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. 
Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.